Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm glad we've, by God's grace, been able to find the way, the way found us to be able to get back home. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to the book of Numbers tonight, if you would. Chapter 1, verse 52. I greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it's a wonderful privilege for us to be gathered together in his house once again and on Wednesday night. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 1, verse 52. And the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp, and every man by his own standard, throughout their host. Numbers chapter 2, verse 2. Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. So we know that there's a difference between order and organization. God is against man-made organization, but God is not against divine order. Isaiah 59, 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard or an ensign or a banner or a standard, same thing. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him, which of course is against the enemy. Joel chapter 2, verse 7. A prophecy of the last days. Now remember, Scripture can have compound meanings, uh, and this is one of them but a, a prophecy of the last days of the army of God. Now listen what the army of God will be. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. And they shall march every one on his ways. And they shall not break their ranks. Now this is the army of God. They shall not break their ranks, so they're assigned a certain rank, a certain position. The church ages have been designated to live under a certain anointing, a certain message, a certain move of God for that time. The elect of God find that rank and there they stay. Satan's way is divide and conquer. So if he can divide us from the anointing of the day, divide us from where we're supposed to be, then we're weaker, all of us are, and he's able to conquer us. But we want to be like this mighty army that will run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war, and they shall march every one on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. I mean, let to be remembered tonight as we pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We're so happy, just so happy to be your people. We're so grateful, Heavenly Father, for the evening light that has got a hold of our hearts and helped us, dear Jesus. Lord, we know the message of the last day did not come to replace the Bible. It did not come to bring us a new version of the Bible, but it come to shine light on the Bible that we already had. So when I come from Pentecost I did not need a new version. I did not need a new translation. 
I just needed new inspiration. And from that same Bible that I wrote and preached from, I've still got the one my grandmother gave me when I got saved at 12 years old. And I've still got the one that I preached from in Pentecost. Very same version, King James, but now I'm preaching things so different. What is it? It wasn't the Bible that changed. It was the light on the Bible. So, Father, we're so grateful to be living under the influence of the evening light. We believe we are an army of God. We believe that we've been assigned a rank, a position, where we're supposed to stand. We desire to be faithful, Father. Help us as we look into your word tonight, we ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. What a great thing it is to be able to find our position by the presence of God. And we know that, you know, they asked Brother Branham the question and question answers about how does one find their place in Christ Jesus? And he said, well, generally your position is made known by whether you can do it or not, whether you can do it or not. So he said, if a man claims that he's called to be a preacher, watch how he interprets the word. If a man claims he's called to be this or that, then you watch and see if God has gifted him to be able to do it. And it goes that way pretty much with anything, that God enables his people to be able to do certain things. Now, let us turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 4, verse 5. We've been looking at that God has raised up a standard in every age. And we can, we can see by history that God did it down through the church ages, also through the times of the Old Testament. And we know that God has done it for us in this day. And God, we know, goes by numerics, threes, fives, sevens. But one of the numbers that's not very used that much actually among us is the number four. Four, of course, is a number of earthly deliverance. We don't care for four as much as we do for seven. But yet four is very useful in the right place. And we know that it was the fourth man in the furnace of fire, of course, that delivered the Hebrew children. And four, God uses four. And we know that Ezekiel saw four in his book. And we know that Daniel also, there was fours. Book of Revelation, there was fours. So God chooses to reveal himself under certain anointings. And God will let the anointing be released. And that anointing will anoint the people of that day that will receive it to come to the full accomplishment of what God wants them to be. That's the only way they'll ever do it. We'll never read ourselves into it. We'll never be able to get self-help books and say, well, I want to be a better Christian, so I'm going to get a self-help book, and it's going to teach me how to be able to bring my flesh under control, and I'm going to learn how to do that and learn how to do that. We'll find out in a little bit where where that stuff comes from. But what we actually need is the anointing released to us from the presence of God for the day that we live in to help us accomplish the word that's been designated for that day. You believe that with all your heart? Now watch Revelation chapter 4 verse 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. Now remember, God is now revealed in, in this seven. So it's not that God has one spirit, then God has another spirit, but it's a manifestation of the same spirit of God. Now watch verse six. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Now what? so here we have four, which is not just the number of earthly deliverance, 
But there's also an answer to the four on the earth and we can see it reflected in heaven. Now, I'm not trying to get deep tonight. I'm not trying to go to the top of your head, but just to be able to help you to understand why we must stand under the banner that God has given for us in the end time. If we want to be raptured, how many does? We want to have our body changed, how many does? Then we've got to be under the display of the standard of the Lord for the day that we live in. And we also must be aware that Satan will try his best to influence us with a false standard or a previous standard which has lived out its time. Now, part of the danger that will be is that Satan is always trying to point people backwards to something that God used for another day, and it has lived out its time It's completed, it's fulfilled, and inevitably, it's lost the fullness of its power because God has turned a new page. The light is shining on something else. So if Satan cannot blind us from what God is presently doing by helping us to, you know, see the scarecrows in front of us, he will try to point us backward to what has been, and then we go in reverse. Remember, God never gives us reverse as the children of God. It's always move forward. Now watch how that John sees this, and it must have been so peculiar. Remember that the prophets in the fourth dimension is where they would see their visions, but John has actually moved up into another dimension. So this is more like a dimensional vision. Instead of John just being here in time and looking out before his eyes, but John was transmitted there to watch this happen. So he sees four beasts, and they are full of eyes before and behind. So the eyes, of course, are a symbol of the ability of a spiritual insight. So it must have looked very strange. So John looks and he sees four beasts and they've got eyes everywhere. Well, it wasn't that it was some type of weird creature, but it was God symbolizing that the anointing in every age that's gonna be released will have the eye of deliverance, the eye of power, the eye of the abundance of revelation. Every one of them is gonna be an insight by which will empower the saints of God to live and overcome in the day they live in. Now watch, he said the first beast was like a lion and the second beast was like a calf and the third beast had a face as a man and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Now here there's four different beasts which are powers and they're gonna be reflected on the earth by human voice. Now notice how strange this would seem. I realize the majority of Christians in the age we live in, they don't even read the book of Revelation. They have no desire to because they read it, they don't understand it. It's symbols, you know, it's got all types of figures and and numerologies and all that in it. They just see no need whatsoever in even reading it. But why would God give us the book of Revelation if it's not going to be given for somebody to be able to understand it? And what's really pitiful to me is that there are message people that feel the exact same way about the book of Revelation. All they want to hear preached is the cross and the blood and mercy and forgiveness. Let me tell you something, a preacher that that's all he preaches, more than likely that's all he needs himself. Apparently he's got a lot of sin going on in his life and that's the only thing he knows how to preach. Well, come on somebody. And if all the people sitting there, they never want to hear about these things. If you never want to hear about this, you need to check your Holy Ghost. Because it was the Holy Ghost that anointed John to write about this. And everybody said, 
Now watch, so they have identifications. Now watch what there are. It's a beast, which is representation of an animal. So John sees it, and one of them was like a lion. It was not a lion, but it was like a lion. And the second was like, it was not a calf, but like a calf. And the third had the face of a man. And then the fourth was a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Now, once you notice how they worship, they do not worship a God called Father and a God called Son and a God called Holy Ghost. They are oneness beast. And they worship in the oneness avenue, Lord God Almighty. And they know how to worship, and they worship in the realm of holiness. Holy, holy, holy. Now notice what they do. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Father, Son, Holy Ghost in one throne, in one display of his great power. Now notice then they say, which was which is and which is to come. Notice the attributes, Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, which is to come. The threes made perfect in one being. Now notice then when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him, not to them, but to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. So John now sees these four beasts and he must have been just in in a state of bewilderment trying to understand what in the world would that mean. So prophets we know unless God would give them the interpretation of a vision, they wouldn't know what to make of it. Brother Ram told us that himself about seeing visions. He said sometimes you might see a lamb and it might mean a sheep or it might mean wool. So it can mean two or three different things. You remember there was a discernment in 1964 and Brother Branham calls a woman out and he tells her that her name was strong or stout, whichever one that it was. And you know, it was was symbolic in the vision and she says the opposite of what he said. Yeah, he said it it was that. So whatever it was that he saw in the vision, I'm from Kentucky like he was. So a strong or stout to a Kentucky boy means the same thing. So whatever he saw in the vision, he didn't misread the pronunciation, but it was a symbolic representation of strength and with a Kentucky demeanor, you would look at it and say, boy, he's as stout as a mule. Somebody else say, well, he's as strong as a mule. Well, to me, you said the exact same thing. So a prophet then, whenever he would see this, he would not know exactly what it meant. All he can say is, well, I I saw these four creatures and they all had eyes all over them and one looked sort of like a lion and the other looked sort of like a calf and the other one had a face of a man. You notice he didn't say what it actually looked like, but he said it had a face of a man. And then the other one was a flying eagle. And then he says, he noticed about these beasts that they all got to worshiping the Lord God. And they begin to praise him. Now, journey with me, if you would, into the fourth seal. And the prophet said, now we find out this lamb 
open the seal. And this first beast, if you notice the first beast, was a lion. The living creature found, notice now, in the book of the church ages. Then the second beast, I believe, he said it was like the face of an ox or a calf. And the third beast was the face of a man. And the fourth beast was the face of an eagle. Now, the face of a man, what's that going to symbolize? Well, it's going to symbolize a man's head. If you notice, it was not the arms of a man, which be his strength, or it was not the shoulders of a man, which also would signify strength, but it was the face of a man. What's in the face? The brain, the intelligence. We all recognize, most of us, you would never know me. Most of you would never even know me if you only had my hand to go by. My wife would, my children would, my grandkids would because they always want to see that, uh, that scar on man while I was bitten by a rabid fox. But most of you would not know my hand if a hundred hands was put up before you tonight on this screen. Most of you would not pick mine out. But if my face was put up there, you'd know me. So there's something about the face of a man or a woman and that is what we identify them with almost immediately. Is that right? So then when John saw this beast, it was the identification of a man. We don't know exactly what the man looked like, and that was not the value, but what the value was, that it was a representation of a man. So the man anointing was going to go for quite a lapse of time down in the church ages. Now remember, this is the last one next to ours. And I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say. I'm afraid a lot of people, I know in the Laodicean age, but the sad part about it is I'm afraid there's some, even around the ranks of our message, that are still operating under the anointing of the man instead of the flying eagle. Now, once you notice what the man symbol was, it was a symbol of the time or the age of Reformation. Now, I want you to see that reformation then comes from the man. So the man symbolizes wisdom, his ability to process. But also remember that the prophet told us in the Garden of Eden that Satan chose man's head, but God chose man's heart. Malachi 4 was not sent to turn our heads to God, but sent to turn our hearts to God. But now watch what a lot of the men in the last days do. So it's all about the head, the mind, trying to get them psychologically able to overcome. So this guy will write a book and this guy will write another book and this one will write another book on how to overcome and how to do this. And how, Don't you understand why they're doing that? Because they've not moved under the eagle anointing which will empower them to produce a word burst from the soul. So what do they have to do? Then many of these preachers that are preaching, the, the majority of the denominational preachers don't even have the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the soul themselves. If they do, they'll go on the rapture. If they do, how could they ever lead their churches into a denominational trap and be a bark with the mark of the beast? Come on now. And then you look at some of the ones around the message and see what they have done down through the years. And it's easy to see that some of the, the group leaders and those that have built little kingdoms, a kingdom here and a kingdom there, what have most of them been, Brother Darrell? They've not been under the eagle anointing. The eagle anointing is to point worship back to the Lord God Almighty. 
the eagle anointing is not to establish the kingdom of any man. I don't care who he is or what his last name is. We are not interested in building a Branham kingdom or a Reagan kingdom or a Pruitt kingdom or a Spencer or Ward or any other man. We are interested in worshiping the Lord God Almighty. But you see, people that get under the man anointing, then what do they do? They take their head to try to figure out a lot of things. And they cannot really produce the power, the dunamis from God, to be able to give their people the ability to overcome. So they have to keep doing it by the mind. So they got to work on the mind. Well, they've got to have special classes on lust. And you got to have a special class on lying. And you got to have another class on this and another class on that and another class on that. Why? I'm not against that now. But if we're simply trying to approach it on the basis of the mind, it shows we're missing something from the soul. We will never overcome the devil just by our ability to quote the scripture because the devil can outquote every one of us right here tonight. So once you notice in the man anointing, it was the closest one to the eagle. In the lap over, watch this in the sixth seal. The prophet said, then here come the reformers, the head of a man. Shrewd, wise, Martin Luther, John Wesley, and so forth, Calvin, Finney, Knox, the rest of them. Here come forth, and when they did, they were reformers. But now remember Pentecost, 1906, Pentecost fit under the same thing of the man anointed. So the man anointing did not stop with Knox. It did not stop with Finney. It did not stop with Calvin. It run right up to where the birth of Revelation 10 is going to usher in the anointing of Luke 17, 30, Malachi 4, 5, 6, to where it will be a transition. It's not just to change in doctrine. Don't you understand what we've done? Many of us, we've led people to the message and we simply traded them from Baptist doctrine to message doctrine and they never really got the token in their lives. And then they go on and they find out that their, their lives is wrapped right back up and some of the same sins that they had before and they don't have power to overcome. Come on, somebody preach with me tonight. But we don't want to just have the doctrine of the message. We want to have the power that it produces to be able to overcome and live a victorious life. Now you see, God realized how that man would be. He could have released the eagle anointing, of course, if he wanted to in the beginning, but God has an order of sequence and divine protocol by which he releases it. So he chose the first anointing was what? That of the lion. Now the lion was the influence of the personal life of Christ himself. So it was the alpha age, the alpha church, which is what the vision that the prophet saw when he saw the bride standing there and she come through this beautiful music and she was all dressed, you know, and in her long garments and her long hair. And he said, the same bride's gonna come back again. Of course, in between those intervals, he saw the church come through and the church was naked and wretched and blind and all of that. Then he said, but wait a minute, the bride will come back again. And then whenever he didn't even have the interpretation of the vision, and he tells the vision, but then as he's preaching the message and the masterpiece, then God gives him the divine interpretation. And he said, I just now got the interpretation of what that was. And he said, she was Alpha and Omega. So now I thought Jesus was that. Well, it's him in feminist form. You see, it was him in that original bride. It was the Alpha bride. 
Then in between that was what? These other church ages under the anointing of the man. They were neither alpha or omega. But they were under the man anointed. Now remember, that's all they could work under. We cannot blame them for that because that's all they had. That's all was given from the time that the reflection of the man began to shine on the church ages until the birth of the eagle anointing in the last day. But now people choose, people choose to stay under the man anointing or they will temporarily come out from under the man anointing and they will live under the eagle anointing for a bit and then they'll think, no, 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 I, I can't handle that. No, sir, no, no, I, I, this message, Malachi 4, 7, you know, they get it and quote the prophet, I, I can't handle that. So they take what they want, you know, get this, get that, the other, and then start slipping back under the anointing of the man again. Why? Because it's still here. It's still here. How do you think the majority of the churches are operating? Don't you think they have the Spirit of God? Yes, many of them do have a portion of the Spirit of God. Well, if it's the eagle anointing that fly out of them with denominational pins and become born of the word of the hour. Come on now. But they're not. They can live the life they want to live. So we have Christian drug addicts. We have Christians that are hung up on, on all kinds of filth and sin. We have Christians that's doing the same stuff that sinners are doing, except they just call themselves a Christian. Come on, search. Well, why can't they do it? They know it ain't right. Don't you think people don't know it's not right for them to live the way they live? Many of them do, but they don't have the power to help them overcome. And many of the preachers standing in the pulpit don't have the power either. So they've got to figure out how they can water it down so the songwriters write songs about it. Well, that's what the blood is for because God knows you can't live right. God knows you can't do it. So God gives you the blood. So basically you sin every day and you ask God to forgive you and then the next day you do the same thing worse and it's the same repetitive stuff over and over again. Oh, but if you're really born of the Spirit of God, there is no desire of sin left in you anywhere. The worshiper once purged has no more conscience of sin. Amen. But you see, those who are still caught under the trap of the man anointing, and that's where, of course, the world will it lead them to. It cannot lead them to a rapture because it processes the gospel through the mind. It processes the word through the mind. So, you know, prophet and all that. Oh, my goodness. No, no, no. Uh, we, we can't accept none of that stuff. Well, the law and the prophets went under John. <laughs> and you're kind of trying to quote that and use that for a scripture that there is no New Testament prophets? When Paul himself wrote about prophets after that one was written, you don't even know what you're even quoting. The law and the prophets was a Hebrew idiom. It was a saying that was used among the Hebrews, which meant the law, the first five books of Moses, and the prophets, which was Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, Zechariah. The law and the prophets was what? The Old Testament. So the law and the prophets, the Old Testament was unto John and then the kingdom of heaven is preached and every man presseth his way into it. How would a man ever come out with such a thing? Because he's under the anointing of a man. So it's a man's mind. Well, I, I can't understand that. I, I can't process all that stuff about visions and bride and church and, and election and all that. Well, come up here where the eagles are and be able to fly around up here where we are and you'll be able to see it. All through the Bible. Praise the Lord. It's all through the Bible. It's not man made. 
Now, I want you to notice then the reformers, the prophet identifies this, that they were reformers. They come forth reforming. Don't you understand, friend, that that's what a lot of the message folks are doing? That's what they've done for years and years. We've got message reformers, Brother Darrell. That's why they don't have the power to overcome. And the same people that Brother Darrell goes and preaches in a place and young people, old people, whatever, come up in a prayer line. Another preacher comes through in another three or four weeks. Some of the same ones in the prayer line again. Another preacher comes through, comes to the same prayer line again. What for? For some of the same stuff. Sure, if you've got a different need, come by. But why can't we overcome God wants us to be prayed for. God wants us to have prayer lines and we're going to continue to have them until we leave this world. But I'll tell you one thing, I cannot pray you through to victory. Brother Darrell cannot pray you through to victory. The rest of these preachers cannot pray you through. You've got to live. You've got to walk in victory. You've got to have victory in your life or you'll never be able to obtain victory up whenever we're having church and shout and jump and run around and ain't even got enough victory tomorrow to overcome the devil. You need to say, God, I'm sick of this. I'm sick and tired of living like a yo-yo. I'm up and down and up and down. God, I want power. I want dunamis. I want the anointing of the eagle that I can fly above pornography, that I can fly above temper. I can fly above anger. Is reformation good? Yep. But it just don't take you far enough. Notice what it does. They were reformers. They come forth reforming, bringing the people out. But redemption has two parts. Bringing them out and taking them in. So people come, they give their heart to the Lord, no doubt ever, every weekend, Around the Tri-Cities areas, all the churches here, there's all kinds of people that give their heart to Christ. Wonder why it goes with that move to say Christ more than the Lord Jesus. Wonder why they'd rather say Christos, which is the Greek for the anointed one, instead of calling the name that the angel gave him. Now you watch them. You watch a lot of these teachers, and it's Christ this, Christ that, Christ this, Christ that. Well, come on, don't get quiet at me. And you know what, what really bothers me is when you go to see a preacher's gone the same way. Uh-huh. Why not call him his name? I mean, you can call me preacher if you want to. People do. How you doing, preacher? How are you, preacher? How you doing, preacher? Well, that's who I am as far as my position but I do have a name. My mom and daddy gave it to me. I've got a name. So preacher, you know, I mean, that's, that's an identification. But I do have a name. And the Lord Jesus has a name. Well, come on now. All the anointed one this, anointed one that. I'll tell you one thing. Whenever I'm in trouble, I like to call on that blessed name. And when that devil's around me, I like to say that name. Oh, yes. I have no problem in saying Christ. It's in the Bible. Yes, sir. But you watch that identification. Generally, the language of reformers. Christ this. 
Christ that. Christ this. Well, God understands. God understands this age is so evil and there's so much darkness. God understands why we can't live right. He sure does. He understands you're not born again. Praise the Lord. Now watch this. He said, they come forth reforming, bringing the people out and turn right back around exactly. They did right back there and marriage straight back into the denominational system. Again, the fourth seal. Now remember, now in this first age was a lion age. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Christ on influence of life. Now watch, Christ, anointed one. Now we're talking about office. Christ on influence, anointed one, anointing his sons and daughters. Christ on influence of life, taken that age. That's the first beast. So a beast was a power. So the Lord Jesus allowed his own personal influence of his lion anointing to get on that first age. That's what they needed. They needed a lot of boldness, did they? Now the lion of the tribe of Judah, of course, is what he represented. Now he said that's the first beast, which means power that answered by human voice. Power that answered by human voice. So if God would have come down and showed a line in every church service and a great supernatural something would have been displayed, oh my, no doubt people would have come to the altar and they'd have run and screamed for mercy. But God didn't do it that way. What God did was took his own personal life and answered back out through human voice and then the elect heard it and the others were blinded by the veil of the flesh. So God anointed human beings with his anointing, but it wasn't his voice that thundered from heaven as it was on Sinai or Mount Transfiguration. It was God anointing their human voice and some saw men, others saw God. Hallelujah. Praise God. That first beast, which means power that answered by human voice. Lord Jesus, keep us right there. That next age was the ox age or the dark horse rider age. The second age was a red horse rider, and it, which was a dark age. And the next age, he said, was the age that was the black horse rider. He was the age of the reformers, the voice who spoke. Now, if you've studied any and read much after Calvin, Knox, Finney, they were men that were great men, and they did have some truths. Yes, they did. They had some great truths, but hardly any of them understood the true revelation of the Godhead. Every one of them, Luther, Knox, Calvin, Finney, many of those great preachers, every one of them nearly baptized in titles. Why? Because the man anointing would not anoint them beyond looking at the scriptures and seeing, and they looked right at it and said, there's gotta be more than one. Who would Jesus pray to in the Garden of Gethsemane? Well, who do you pray to when you're in trouble? You pray to the God that lives inside you, don't you? Well, that's exactly what he was doing. 
But the man anointing would try to figure it out in one plus one. I mean, how, how can that be one? It can't be, it's got to be. What is that? The man, the reformer. Well, there's got to be. Well, there's got to at least be two. Yeah, you can see where that tuneless thing come into the message, can't you? Some of the theologians in the message that weren't really under the eagle anointing, what did they become, Brother Dale? Reformers under the mayonnaise. So where'd all these camps come from in the message? Reformers in the message. Come on now, bring her on down, Brother Donnie. Where'd all these things come through down through the ages? All these denominational things, as much as we hate them, and yet they're right among us just as bad as they are here in the world. And where did they come from? Men that are working under the man anointing. I'll tell you, children, it's gonna take more than the man anointing to get us out of here. We better be living, walking, talking, praying, revelated under the eagle anointing of this end time of Malachi 4. It's gonna take more than Luther's understanding and Wesley's understanding. We've got to have the influence of that flying eagle. I want you to notice the posture of that eagle. It was not setting. It was a flying eagle in action. Hey, you don't, you don't need wings if you're gonna set. You don't need no movement if you're going but if you got wings, put them to use, brother, sister. Now notice this again in the fourth seal, but now when it comes forth, the eagle age, that's the one that God always likens his prophets to eagles. He calls himself an eagle. Now, could they do this, of course, in the days of Paul? They couldn't. Could Peter have operated under that? No, he had to operate under the anointing of the lion of the tribe of Judah. So they would stand with great boldness. They would stand right in the face of dictators. They would stand right in the face of Nero and everybody else because the anointing on them, they would look right at him in the face and tell you, oh, I would that you was just like me except for these chains. They would say, have you been convicted also to be a Christian? You're talking about men that could have them killed or men that could turn them loose. But that anointing of that line, it would move on them. They'd preach the gospel. They'd beat them. They'd whip them. They'd threaten them and say, don't you preach no more in the name of the Lord Jesus and the next day they found him right out on the corner of the street preaching the same gospel that they preached the day before. Now if you'd have put the man anointing on them, they thought, now, now brethren, now brethren, now I'll tell you what now, we need to use wisdom. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna preach the message, but we're not gonna let nobody know it. We're not gonna use Paul's name and we're not gonna use Peter's name for people who have a problem with people quoting men. Your whole Bible is written by men. What do you think they preached in the New Testament? They preached about Peter, they preached about James, about John, about Paul. Oh, but Brother Donnie, those, those, were, those were holy men, they were. And what was Paul's writings in that day? To a bunch of them people, they thought, that's just that man's ideas. You look at it today and reverence it as the scripture. You think they did in that day? The elect did. And the others said, well, that ain't nothing but just his opinion. Where did he get that in the Old Testament that a woman can't preach? Where did he get that in the Old Testament of this and that and other? He couldn't prove it was in the Old Testament to save his life. 
Paul quoted it and said, the woman is supposed to remain silent in the church as also saith the law. You bring me that scripture and I'll eat it 47 ways. The Old Testament does not say that. But it's silence is what Paul was quoting. Because it gave the woman no position to be a priest. He was quoting the silence of the law. Oh my. Oh, he was a prophet. Do you believe that now? Of course we do now. But what would you have done if you'd have been in his day? Would we sneaked around Paul's writing center? Born on us in Christ. Lord help us. Oh, for whom he did foreknow, them he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Wow, what a, well, I'd like to preach that, but where am I going to tell I got it at? Well, just tell them, just tell them, oh, I was praying. I was praying, and this come to me. Go ahead, you lying dog. I'm going to tell you one thing. Some of the worst liars you ever heard in your life is a preacher. Uh Uh-huh. Well, if if I have to tell them, Paul said that. If you say that and you quote him, then you're going to be identified with him. Ah, you see, that's the problem. Brother Donnie, if you'd let me, I could help you, brother. I could help you and you, we can make our church so big and, and, and full of what? Full of what? I'd rather have a handful that I could preach the truth to than thousands that you couldn't tell them nothing. <laughs> you imagine them elected that day, Brother Dale, they stood right up and said, glory to God. Brother Paul said, that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. You imagine said, oh, wait a minute, I want you to show me where Moses said that. I want you to show me where Joshua said that. But then elect just kept right on roaring under the lion anointing. There was a time the anointing of the men was necessary, but we don't need it now. Now watch this. Just like the day of the lion or the ox or the man, it's the it's the anointing of the hour. Now you see, I used to preach under the man anointing. I was a Pentecostal preacher. So I was under that for many years. The man anointing. I didn't read no other books. I didn't study no other preachers. The only thing that I preached was the Bible. (laughs) Or so I thought. All I quoted was the Bible. I could quote it like a machine gun. I was known actually in my ranks for being able to quote it. I still baptize in titles. Preach for women preachers. Preach in eternal hell. Why? Man anointing. 
Yeah, the man anointing, whenever Carol's uncle tried to introduce me to water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I come back to him with some man anointing and said, I'd rather do what Jesus said than what Peter said. Mm -hmm. Man, processing it through your mind. Oh, come on, word of life. And you see, many of us do the same thing today. We'll try to process it through our head. Your head will never be able to believe what your heart can believe. If your head will amen the word, that's good. But I found out a lot of times mine won't. Mine will go opposite from what the word says. And you know, the sequence of events should be that from the heart, the man believeth unto salvation and with the mouth confession is made. You see, when we speak from here, most of the time is when we get in trouble. It's okay to think from here, but here's God's divine direction or protocol. That we think from here, pass it through the filter here and let it come out right here. But when we think from here and go straight to here, that's some of the biggest messes you ever made in your life and you might as well say amen. Why? Because we go straight from this knothead of ours, straight into the big fat lips of ours and then we have to go back and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. If we would run everything from here down to here and process it out of here, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Thou art snared with thy mouth. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth and thou art taken by the words of thy mouth. For by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I wish somebody would hear me tonight and I'm afraid a lot of us are still trying to fight the devil in this last day when Satan is already on the verge of the fourth cycle of his anointing and we're still trying to fight him on cycles three. There's only one way we're going to be able to withstand the power of the fourth cycle of Satan in the last day and that is the fourth cycle of God must anoint us as his people and then when we do, we will be more than conquerors. We will be more than able. I don't care what Satan does or what he said, we are anointed against him. You know how we are dealing with the passing of my daughter, Erica, your sister, Erica, Lance's wife, the Parker girl's mother. This is what I'm telling them. We committed to God. We don't understand why. We don't understand God's will. But I trust him even when I don't understand. You see, that's my heart talking and not my head. My, high, my head is saying, now how in the world could that be? All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Them which are called according to his purpose. How in the world can that be for God to take a mother? How in the world can that be for God to take a boy? Or God can take a little baby? How in the world can that be? Don't you see what we're doing? We're trying to process it through right up here. But whenever you bypass that and come right down here, oh, hallelujah, I'm the Lord God. I'll 
I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I tell him all the time, Lord, I remind you of your words that you said through Jeremiah. I know the thoughts that I think towards you that they are good and they are not evil. I don't understand why good the bad things happen to good people and I don't understand why real good things happen to bad people, but they do. But if I try to figure it out under the man anointing, I will be so down, I will be so weary, but whenever I bypass my knucklehead and go straight to the heart, my heart says, my God makes no mistakes. My God is perfect. His ways are perfect. He will work this out to his glory because he said so. Why did it come to my heart? Out of my heart, my mouth speaks it. So we got some message churches flying their banners. And then some of them actually going this far. Now, brother, you can come preach for us, but don't read no quotes. And don't mention Brother Bram's name. I'll tell you one thing. A preacher tells me that neither me or Jesus is going to show up. If this word ain't welcome, I ain't either. I don't want to be identified in that. Come on now, don't get quiet on me. I know this shocks some of you all. You say, oh my Lord, you mean there's people around the message? Yeah, that's what they are, around the message. Why in the world would we not want to make it the center focus of our life? A Christ-centered life under the eagle anointing. That's what's going to get us out of here, friend. If it's not it, what hope do we have? Is time going to go on and on and on? There's got to be a breaking of the cycle. Four breaks the cycle. Hallelujah. Four breaks the cycle. We're living in the age when the cycle of death is going to be destroyed. When the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain are going to be called up to meet the Lord in the air. How are we going to do it? Under the man anointed? No. How are we going to do it? Under the ox? Under the flying eagle. Under the flying eagle. Praise God. It's eagle time. It's the anointing of the hour. It's the time that we're living in. It's the working of the Holy Spirit for this particular time to prove that Jesus is not dead. The things that he said he would do just before the evening lights went out. So people feel like they can be sort of, you know, just kind of straddling between three and four. Well, you know, we want to go in the rapture, but we don't want to be reproached the way you know, Brother Donnie, no, no, I'll tell you now, him and some of them other guys, nah, there's got to be a way of more wisdom. You mean cowardly. More cowardly. So I'm supposed to know the truth. And to keep YouTube from banning us, I'm not supposed to tell you all. And I'm not supposed to tell the thousands of people who stream us from around the world. I'm just supposed to hold that truth to me. 
So does that mean I'm the only one going to the rapture then? And y'all's going to be left behind because I didn't tell you the truth? No, I won't be going either because he's going to whoop the fire out of me because I didn't tell you the truth. So I figure the best thing to do is preach you the truth. Preach you the truth under the eagle anointing. You decide if you want to go or not. If you want to stay here with the men, get under the men anointing. But if you want to leave with the eagles, come on over, brother. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, young people. Come on, sister. Let's move under the anointing of the eagle in the last day. Hallelujah. What is it? The power of the resurrected Lord Jesus. I love this in the Easter seal as it was in the days of Lot. So will it be in the hours that the Son of Man will be revealed on the earth. Not Son of God no more, Son of Man. Come back as the prophetic message. Don't you understand when people turn down this message, whether they're in it or don't really even want to be in it to the first place, they don't understand who they're turning down. I had someone to write me the other day and said, they're leaving the message after 30 some years. <clears throat> and I wanted to get in a discussion with the man and ask him, since you say you're leaving the message, what does that mean exactly? The message teaches salvation by the blood. You leaving that? The message teaches justification by faith. You leaving that? The message teaches the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You leaving that? The message teaches water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus. You leaving that? The message teaches all kinds of things that are scripture over and over and over again. So when people claim they're leaving the message, are they leaving that? It's evident some of them did. Because they went back and baptizing titles. Under what? The anointing of a man. Why? Because Matthew stood at that gate and said, I'm guarding the name. I'm guarding the name. But the elect come up to the gate and said, out of my way, Matthew. I don't know what that name is. You ain't keeping me away from that name. <laughs> oh, glory to God. You ain't keeping me away from that name. Now, Luke, don't you try to keep me out. John, don't you try to keep me out. That gate might have been put there to keep some people out. It wasn't put there to keep me out. It was there to try my faith. And my faith says there is one God. Hallelujah. Here, O oh Israel, the Lord our God is one. Unto thee it was shown that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. And God himself said, is there any other God beside me? I know not one. I know not one. You ain't keeping me out, John. But a learned theologian will sit in his study and say the Greek scholars trying to understand the diphthong of the condopinium of the mitoracular. And we're just sitting there saying, what'd he say? <laughs> I'm glad the Bible tells me the common people heard him gladly. Whew. 
Notice this, the Son of Man will come back as the prophetic message for the last day when that eagle will be flying. Not the lion, not the ox in the sacrifice age. Paragraph 186, but in the last message that went forth, there came a flying eagle. It's eagle time. Reveal time. Reveal time. So not shut up time. Not, well, we, we just can't understand it. No, it's reveal time. As I told you here Sunday, the world is calling for us to do the same thing they're calling for Israel to do. Cease fire. Well, give us three days. Give us five days. And we'll quit fighting. They're right in the middle of a battle. And all the world said, well, it ain't right for y'all to kill all these innocent people. Was it right for all their innocent people to be killed? For their women to be raped, their babies' bodies to be burned, and their heads be cut off? That's okay, I suppose. Yeah, we can see exactly how the world is. They're anointed with that same spirit that was on Hitler and on them German people at that time of the, of the age. And yet we see that same thing is doing right now, and they're trying to tell the bride the same thing. Oh, Brother Donnie, get off the internet. Brother, you're going to ruin every one of us. Yeah, that's what a few of these preachers told me a few years ago. Brother, back off, back off. You're going to bring reproach on all of us. I said, it's about time somebody does. Bunch of you yellow penny waste outfits won't stand out and preach the gospel, won't baptize in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and scream it out. Won't let them know God sent a prophet. Come on, somebody. I ain't gonna stand up and say, well, 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 we believe, we believe, we believe what? Tell me what he said. Tell me what he said. Don't just tell me God sent a prophet, but tell me what did he have to say? Now, I know some of you think I've cracked up. Don't you think, poor fellow? He's, he's just cracked under the stress. Well, I might have. Maybe I'm the finding that little eagle. I've cracked out of that shell, and I'm just, just fixing to turn loose. <laughs> now, don't forget this, church, and you brethren on tape. I want you to examine this. How could man do anything else besides the power? Notice, not theology, not doctrine alone. But the power, the power, oh my, of God that had been released to them. I'm going to set this box. So he has a box there inside the pulpit that was used for prayer requests and things. So he picks that box up and he sets it up on the pulpit so the people's eyes can be able to focus on that. Now he said, I'm going to set this box up here to represent that. If God sends a certain spirit among them, that's the only thing that they can work by. Don't you understand? I can't do nothing no different. Because different people could tell you, I've tried to reason with Brother Donnie. I've tried to tell him you'd have more friends and you'd be, you know, use a little wisdom. Except I've found out for a lot of them when they use the word wisdom, it has two different spellings. 
Because when they get done trying to explain to me wisdom, I spell it C-O-M-P-R-O-M-I-S-E, compromise, which ain't wisdom at all. Come on now, saints. Well, I've tried to tell him, you, you just can't tell him. It's just like there's a power that drives him. Amen. There's a power that drives me to tell you tonight, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It will give you power over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But Brother Don, even now, even now, but it's never been so dark, and the light ought to shine brighter now than it's ever shined before. When I was under the man anointing, I operated and gave my best. I preached like a Pentecostal, I was dyed in the wool. I run, I screamed, I hollered, I shouted, I run the backs of the pews. I'd start here and run the backs that way, jump off the back and start back this way and run back the other way. Now you try it. And don't you point your finger at me and tell me to because I ain't gonna do it either. This eagle, would, I doubt I'd get past Brother John. I'd be laying down on the floor. Y'all be burying me next week. But what was it? A season, an anointing. Oh, my. And some of the things that we did, you'd think, was that out of our minds? I remember one night I was down in Duval Valley preaching, Harry and Karen knows where it's at, and I got under the anointing. I reached down, they had a glass of water sitting there. I reached down, put my fingers in that water, and I started throwing that water all over people. People started falling out. They started shouting. They like to tore that building down. What do you mean, Brother Donnie? I got them wet. <laughs> Other than that, I'm not sure. What was it? A man anointing. Come on now, all dripping out of people's hands, this going on, that going on, and the prophet identified it. That was not what the word said they'd do. What was it, man? Well, if it worked tonight, I was gonna try it again tomorrow night, and if it didn't work tomorrow night, I'd try it the next night. Why, it was the man anointing. It did not have the understanding of an eagle. You might shout tonight, and you might cry for the next three weeks when you go to church, but the important thing is follow the Spirit of God. And you better believe, you think Brother Louie's hard on you all trying to get you to get in the service. You ought to have been under the influence of some of our Pentecostal song leaders. And I used to be a song leader. And if you didn't move, I would move you or I'd embarrass you one. You was either gonna clap your hands, you was gonna move. You wasn't gonna stand there like a dead up, dead dried up message stick the way some of ours stand there in this day. What was it? Knowing of the man. And did it move them? Yeah, got them emotional, got them worked up. But did it change a lot of them? Two weeks time, they'd be right back out there doing the same thing they were before. And that's what makes me wonder about some in our own ranks. I see the same things repeating here that we saw back yonder. But there's another shout. It's the scream. Of a mighty eagle. Get ready, children. Mount up on the wings of an eagle. 
how can we conquer death if we cannot conquer pornography? How can we conquer death if we cannot conquer somebody talking about us and my, we're mad enough to bust them in the mouth and you're fixing to change your body? Dear Jesus. Let me find a place to close here. That's the only thing that they can work by is the spirit that works among them. Now, we'll prove that to you by the history of the church, by the opening of the seals and the powers that let loose. Now, we emphasize so much on the mechanics, which is the doctrine, the labor of the word. But remember, it always comes in part A and part B, mechanics and dynamics. And when God gives a promise or God gives a commandment, there's a power to be released out of that commandment to give us the ability to live what he said. And talking to my family with the passing of Erica, these are the things for those that have asked me, wanted to know how to deal with it. This is the direction that I have led them. That if God's will demands something of us, even though he knows it will break our hearts. He has an anointing and a power to release out of that will promise in order to help us to deal with it. I've seen it so many times that the will of God will come in people's lives and they argue and they question and they debate and they go on and on and on and on in this life. They never allow God to release the power out of that will. I don't mind telling you, sometimes the will of God is so painful, is it not? Oh, there's parts of the will of God, Brother Timothy, that's so glorious. I told Carol the day before yesterday, I said, think of it, Carol. I said, if the Lord would have raised up Erica out of that hospital in Sycamore Shoals, if she would have laid there and an absolute miracle would have transpired, we would still be talking about it. We'd still be praising God. We'd be everybody that would meet in Walmart and wherever, we'd try to bring it up in a conversation to tell, oh, you'd not believe what our God done. I said, but why are we this way? Why are we so saddened? And yet, if it's the will of God for her to go that way, you believe what you want to. I do not believe Satan can take us until God is finished with us. Do I understand it? I do not understand it. Does that mean the broken place in my heart? It does not. But I believe if it's the will of God, he will release a power to Erica's family, to Erica's church family, to Erica's friends that will help us deal with the will of God. He would not be God if he doesn't do it. He releases an anointing that helps us. I believe he releases an anointing for the bride to live under in this last day victorious above sin. God will not tell you to forgive and to love your enemies if he does not also provide a power with that commandment to help you do it. But it's like any other promise of God. You have to receive it. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. There's not just theology that comes with this message. There's power. Our sisters can dress like they ought to. They can dress decently. They can just say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to dress like the world. Still don't mean they have the power of God to do it, because many of them have traded it off. We know that. Some of the men can do the same thing. But if it's been released to you that it's not just a quote, it's not just a scripture, but the promise of God, the box of the age, a box. So what, what do you use a box for? It contains something. But you have to open it and release whatever's on the inside. We well, said, Brother Donnie, I've tried. I've tried. I've got self-help books. I've got apps on my phone. I've got positive confessions. I've got this, that, the other. All that is good. But that's mechanics. But you need to tell Father, Father, I need the power out of this promise. I need the power to, to empower me. How in the world could women that were pregnant and under the anointing of their age, them soldiers would take swords and rip their bellies wide open and cut that baby from that mother's belly and dash its brains out on rocks. Them men watched their wives be ripped open, their children burnt. You remember me reading to you or telling you years ago about Symphrosa, Sister Symphrosa, having seven sons and every one of them martyred for the cause of the Lord Jesus. If God did not release to our sister the anointing out of the box for her age, she would have become so resentful to God. And you claim you're a God of love, a God of mercy. You imagine Sister Symphrosa coming back to church Maybe the pastor said, we're going to have a Thanksgiving night. We're going to read and we're going to pray. If you've got a burning testimony on your heart, we don't want you to be able to give that and share it with the church. Imagine everybody looking around. Well, the Lord saved me. Hallelujah. I, I, I was an old Corinthian out there. I was doing this and that and the other. I really got a lot to praise the Lord for. They probably look at Sister Simfrosa and said, Pull this thing. Lost all them seven boys. One of them was pulled behind horses. Horrific deaths. Just like they'd done to the Jews. Horrific deaths. Can you imagine Sister Simfrosa being one of the first ones? Glory to God. Can I give testimony? Go ahead, Sister Simfrosa. I want to thank the good Lord. For his mercy to me. As y'all know, the Lord gave me seven wonderful boys. I got to spend several years with them. The Lord in his great wisdom allowed all my seven boys to go to heaven before me. I just want to thank him tonight for the truth. And I wanted to thank him because my hope is in Jesus. And I ain't lost my boys. I know where my boys are. You imagine the rest of them saints sitting there in the church. God bless your heart. And I've been complaining about I couldn't pay my electric bill. I've been complaining about this and that and the other. Don't you understand when God will allow some of his people 
As I heard it said the other day, God lets his greatest soldiers not get wasps done. God gives his greatest soldiers the hardest battles. God will use them and out of there comes a testimony that others say, praise God if she can go through that and have victory. I can face what I'm going through. How did they do that, Brother Darrell? The box was opened. And the anointing, Sister Simfrosa probably thought, Lord, I, I, I could never do that. Maybe she heard about some sister that lost a boy. Oh, Lord, I could never do that. Oh, God, don't let that happen to me, please. I beg you, God, don't, don't. And all seven of hers taken. And she thought, I'll never be able to take it, God. I'll have a nervous breakdown. I can't do it. But the mercy of God said, here you go, Sister Simfrosa. This box has got your name on it. Y'all pardon me. The Lord Jesus sent me a special delivery. It's for my broken heart. Scott, moment, your name on it, Lance. Sister Cynthia, Brother Greg, Sister Crystal, Alicia, Parker girls, Carol, you friends of Erica's. Notice and watch for your delivery. Because the Lord will send it to you. But it won't do no good if you put that somewhere and hide it. Put it away. Open it up, brother, sister. Oh, oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you. Brother Donnie, what would it be? Help. Help. Oh, no, I need understanding. Well, just because we think we need understanding ain't what we need at all. Sometimes what we need is trust and healing of our broken heart. Don't you love him? So what do you figure? Should we change our banner here at the church? Should we, we've been here now not hardly a year. Should we change our banner that we're, you know, we're just trying to use wisdom and we're not going to quite be as tough and, and we're, we're, you know, we're going to believe certain things, but I just get the ministers against and our brothers, well, you know, we're, 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 we're concerned about really kind of filling this place up and don't preach no more on this and don't preach no more on that and, and uh, let's, let's, just, let's just kind of hold up. And we'll reach up and take that standard of wholeness down. We'll fold it up, put it away. Now we still believe it, but we just don't want to say much about it. We're going to take that Malachi 4 flag down. In a couple years or less, you wouldn't hardly recognize this church, nor these people. So you say, my life will only be here for a while. I'm replaceable. I call if you are. If the Lord tarries, I'll go by the way of the grave. And y'all will put in someone else, or your children will. Wonder what kind of man they'll look for. Will it be one that still stands under that banner? Will it be one of more of a modernistic taste? I hope not. I hope not. I hope as long as it's here, it stands for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection and his changing power. 
Can we bow our heads? Oh, hallelujah. What about it, young people? You young men standing here, you sisters, you brothers. Some of you, a few more settings of the sun and your life will be gone. May we not fail you. Where will we be found? May we fly this banner high. May we not break our ranks. I'm called to stand in this ranks of the message. May God give me strength never to leave it. Anyone else here tonight like to be remembered? God help me that I'll never leave the ranks of where you've placed me. Men, women, boys, girls, preachers, deacons, trustees, those of you that are streaming tonight, may God help us that we'll be at our post. I'm talking about just this church building. I'm talking about in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Fathers, we bow our heads to the dust of the earth, Lord. We're asking you tonight, Jesus, that you would help us. Lord, we know that as the world is calling for Israel to have a ceasefire, and we know if they ever give in, and they give three days, then they'll want five, then they'll want seven, then they'll want ten. And every day they take off, their enemy is regrouping, and it's going to cost them more lives. More Israeli soldiers will die. But that's the voice of the world. And yet this little tiny state about the size of New Jersey sits there and basically the whole world against it. So far, America still standing with her and not forcing the ceasefire. Same with us. People want us to ceasefire. Quit preaching this. Quit preaching that. Quit preaching something else. And what if we obey them, Lord? What will our church turn into? Theirs, exactly. And I look at some of them voices that want us to quit preaching this and that, and I look at what their church is, and I say, no, that's not what I want our church to be. I want our church to be a church to where sinners can come in and be set free by the power of God. Or people can be delivered of demon spirits. And men of God that are so anointed with the Holy Ghost can speak to them evil spirits and they'll come out. Where people can receive the Holy Ghost. Where people can be healed. And people's lives can be changed. And then the call will come and we'll be changed out of this world. We know that's just not by signs only but it's by the preaching of the Word of God. Help us, Father. I don't know how many more days I've got, how many more years I've got to preach. I desire to be faithful and true. Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. Oh, Lord, help each one of us here tonight, Father, that we will not join in with the devil on a ceasefire, but we'll let him know right here again tonight you better run and get while the getting's good because I'm going to blast your hide. I'm going to do everything I can against the kingdom of hell. You might as well get used to it, devil. We are not ceasefiring. We are not quitting. We're pressing on harder than ever before. Oh, grant it, Lord. May that be our determination tonight, Father, I pray.
in the name of Jesus. Praise God. How many feels that way tonight before the Lord? Oh, now, friends, I'm not telling you that the devil's going to like it. But those of you that was right here Sunday, you saw at the end of that service how I preached. Brother Zach, come up for prayer. I simply bent over and turned my head. And when I turned my head down and a little bit sideways, vertigo hit me just like that. I thought it was going to fall flat on the floor. Brother Joel Brown come, Carol told me, and Brother Dowell, I think, come up, had to help me. Carol had to drive me home. I couldn't even set up. You know what it was? The devil. He's bold, ain't he? But we're bolder. (laughs) We know we've got an enemy, but we know him well, and we are not afraid of him. We are more than conquerors. Are we not? What do you say we fly this same standard that Paul flew? That we will stay in our ranks and whenever the time is made, then we will walk. I will stand there as your pastor and we will walk up under the auspices of the seventh angel's ministry. The seventh angel will then in turn present us to the Lord Jesus. Remember, he did not see any of Paul's people. The preachers of this day are not going to stand with Paul. Oh, no. Message preachers think they know more about the Bible than Brother Bram did, and they're going to stand with Paul? No, you ain't. You're going to stand right there with Elijah, and it'll be him that you'll look to. Well, come on. Them voices told him. The ones that was changed, ain't none of y'all been there yet, so I'm going to take what they say. Jesus will come to you first. And if you are accepted, and you will be, we will go in on your teaching. Your teaching. Your teaching. Then every pastor that taught faithfully will be standing right there in subcategories. We will be there and our groups all under the auspices of that seventh angel. And then he will present us, Brother Skip, Lord Jesus, this is your bride that come out of the Laodicean age. You imagine when the Lord Jesus looks at us and say, my beloved sweetheart. When the prophet looked there and he said he looked like there was millions of them. Praise be to God. So much for the doctrine of our four and no more. Oh, don't you want to go, children? Don't you want to go and be a part of it? Praise be to God. Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Where I'm bound Don't you want to go To that land Don't you want to go To that land Don't you want to go To that land Where I'm bound Oh, there'll be no dying In that land Be no dying 
to be identified in the army of Almighty God. To know where we come from, to know where we're going, to know who our general is, to know what our battle orders are, to know what our ranks are, what our position is. Hallelujah. We don't move as individuals. We move as a body. It's a body move. It's no longer about one man. Come on, somebody. It's a body move. Amen. The move is on for the bride under an eagle anointing. Hallelujah. When a man comes for, to a chasm, he has to build a bridge or he has to get a boat, he, some way to get across the chasm, but not the eagle. He just flies across. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you love him tonight? Aren't you glad to be anointed under the eagle anointing to know what he wants done with his word? For she'll have thus saith the Lord or keep still. The final voice to the final age will be her under her messenger speaking precious words of life. Amen. What an honor it is. Have you enjoyed the Word of God tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Donnie. We're so, 
So grateful for generals in this army. Amen. I may, be just under, I may just be a private, but I'm under a general. Amen. And I'm so grateful for that. Amen. You know, this Saturday will be Veterans Day. I thought how fitting this service is. Uh, talking about an army and ranks and anointing. And, amen. So we thank all the brothers who served our country. And some of them went to battle and to give us the freedom to stand here tonight and declare the revelation that's in our hearts. And we thank you for that. I'm so glad, you know, when I was a young man, we was raised real poor, and I joined the Army to see the world. That was my desire, and uh, my mom and daddy signed for me at 16 and went on active duty at 17, and was in basic training and turned 18 when I come out of basic into AIT, but uh, I thought, I want to see the world, so I joined the Army and went to Oklahoma for basic training. <laughs> they sent me to North Carolina, spent all four years at North Carolina, six hours from home, and I was in a, <laughs> so I got out of that army in December the 21st, 19, December the 21st, 1981, I got into another army. <laughs> when I come into God's army, I've been in, I've been in 32 countries. <laughs> Just... I just found out I was in the wrong army. Amen. <laughs> hey, do you love you tonight? Brother Harry, let's sing it before we go. The Spirit of the Bride say come. Amen. I love that song. Don't you love that song? Oh, God, there's a wasper. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing it for us. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Elect is being stirred inside their hearts. Our uniting time has come. We and the Father are one. Soon we'll be with our Lord forevermore. Oh, even lives come. She's here. 
God bless you, saints. Let's just bow our heads and remember the service this weekend. I'll be leaving Saturday for Pennsylvania. I desire your prayers as we travel up that way. Heavenly Father, Lord, there's just, just not enough there in my vocabulary, Lord, to, to tell you how much we appreciate this revelation that you've given to us, Lord. When you see the darkness that's upon the earth and the gross darkness that's upon the people that's affecting their decision, that affects their minds, Lord. We are so grateful that we are the children of the light, Lord. And Father God, that this anointing that you sit for us is more than just, more than just to make us live right though that's part of it, Lord. But it is an anointing that'll change our destinations. It'll change our dwelling places for the eagle, Lord, ever the man and the ox. And the lion are all earthbound creatures. But it's that eagle, that flying eagle has the ability to leave the earth, Lord. Oh, God, we was born for such a time as this. May we rise to meet the challenge of this hour, Lord, and drive our enemy under our feet. For we will leave here victorious that the world will know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever that you have raised up a people in the last day for thy name's sake, Lord. We thank you for that, Father. Go with your children now, Lord. God, you see those on our prayer list, those that are sick and afflicted, God. I ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, may you move, Father. Meet the needs of my brothers and my sisters, Lord, of those that struggle, Lord, with mental issues and physical issues and marriage or fine, whatever, Lord, it would be. May you minister to them, Lord. May they open that box and receive that which you've already given us. Grant it, Father, I pray. Go with your children now, Lord. Keep them safe as they travel home. Anoint Brother Donnie, Lord. Renew his strength. Thank you, Father, for touching him, allowing him to stand back in the pulpit once again. And Lord, we pray. We come back on Sunday, Lord, and gather. May we come, Lord, as soldiers in the army of the Lord. Father, thank you for the veterans, Lord, who who is willing to give their lives that we could have this freedom. May you just bless them and their families, we pray. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for us and for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, saints. We're dismissing the fear of the Lord. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Father, I see that you were drawing line in the sand Wanna be standing by your side, holding your hand. So let your kingdom come. Let it live in me. This is my prayer. This is my plea. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters.
I surrender to you.